Welcome to the Production First Mindset, a podcast where we discuss the world of building code from the lab all the way to production. We explore the tactics, methodologies, and metrics used to drive real customer value by the engineering leaders actually doing it. I'm your host, Liran Chemovic, CTO and co-founder of Frugal. Today, we're going to be discussing testing machine learning applications. With us is Shikho Rev, CTO and co-founder of DeepChecks. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. So, Shir, what can you tell us about yourself? So, in the past 12 years, I've been in tech. I started originally in uh, Unit A200. I was working on cyber low-level research after finishing Talpiot program. And in the past six years, I've been in the field of machine learning. initially working on it for various purposes of anti-terror and using different types of data sources to find uh, interesting uh, phenomena. For the past two years, I've been in deep checks where we help machine learning models work widely uh, in a better and more uh, trusted manner. Now, I know everybody's talking about machine learning and I would love to know what machine learning means for you. So while maybe, I wouldn't say popular misconception, but probably looking like 10 years back, thinking of machine learning, people would maybe imagine kind of robots taking over the world and having really their own understanding, which we would call today artificial general intelligence. And we're still quite far away from that. I'd say that machine learning is generally a simplistic concept of taking data and kind of correct answers, or as we call them, the labels. And having a computer or a model understand what is the correct relation using various statistics and optimization methods in order to understand the algorithm by itself. So that'd probably be uh, the way I see it currently. Mm-hmm. So essentially, a machine learning application is some sort of application that can take a piece of data and label it somehow. Right. And the way it does it somehow is based on previous data and labels. Usually there are some exceptions to that. So we train the application to be able to tell us stuff about new data that's going to come in the pipeline sometime in the future. Exactly. And we don't do it based on like heuristics that we say explicitly, unlike in regular algorithms. Yes. Yeah, which is where the machine learning part comes in. Right. You've been doing a lot of engineering, a lot of engineering before you dove into machine learning. So Karin, how is machine learning different from traditional engineering? So I'd say that conceptually, there's quite a few issues. differences and challenges. And well, one of the things is that machine learning essentially is more like algorithmic research. And you try to understand, did the model learn it uh, successfully or not? And it's often also very hard to understand, like what exactly did the model learn and what is it supposed to learn? So I'd say that the focus of the modeling part is quite mathematical and algorithmic, while many of the actual challenges in deploying and developing machine learning algorithms are actually everything that has to do like surrounding the model. So while you need people with a very, very deep understanding of algorithms and, and data, the challenges are usually on the engineering part. So we have the model serving and the data engineering and everything and data cleaning. So there's lots of challenges that are not actually in that specific area. So I'd say it's a different kind of connection between these two areas. So if I were to compare it to traditional engineering where a product manager comes and writes some spec, about what needs to be done, then this spec now has to be converted into something that can be used for learning, whether it's the input data or the labels or anything that comes together. We kind of have to define whatever we want to teach the computer and then make it accessible for the computer to learn. Right. I would split in the way you kind of represented reality like that. I'd split the areas or the differences to two parts. And 
And one part is everything that's around. So it's the engineering and the modeling aspect. And the other part is that I think what you relate to is that it's relatively more researchy in the fact that you have maybe the spec that you're trying to achieve, but like many research tasks, you don't know whether the data is good enough, whether you'll be able to reach there. So there's kind of two areas, I'd say. Now, as you go through this process, as you build those models, obviously the next steps, kind of like in software engineering, is testing it. Testing whether the model you've built, the application you've built is good enough, testing it for various edge cases, testing its performance, testing everything you would test in a normal software application. But how is it different? How is testing machine learning applications different than traditional software engineering? So first of all, machine learning is a relatively new field. So just like in software, there was a quite a long a process of evolving. How do we do it? Do we do it manually? Do we have like a test-driven development? And do we do it in a methodological manner? I'd say that machine learning in that aspect is, is a few steps behind. So there are many differences in how do we approach it and what should be tested. I think many of the specifically testing machine learning is that it's more challenging to understand what's supposed to happen. So if I'll take a few concepts from software, let's look at things like coverage testing. So in software, one of the things we want to do is go over kind of all of the branches of code. And then we think, okay, so if we went over all the flows, this does represent that we did a relatively thorough testing and we have some ease of mind. But for machine learning, this isn't even possible. Like, what is, how do I cover everything? Do I cover all the input space? That's not even possible because there's, it's infinite, not infinite, but it's theoretically infinite. And uh, do I cover the model? Like all of the, let's say it's a neural network. Do I cover all of the numbers that it should like, uh, do they go through all of the branches in it? So in that aspect, it's much more challenging to understand like, what do I test? And well, there's also additional aspects like the fact that it's very likely to fail silently, which is something that is very troubling because essentially you put in numbers, even if the numbers don't represent what you think they'll present, the model just still takes a number and outputs a different number. So from the way it's built, and sometimes you'll discover it only many months later, especially if it's like in production and you don't even have the, the labels, you don't, you don't have the correct answers and suddenly understand that some loans that you've been uh, approving a few months ago are actually performing much worse than you thought. Now, on the one hand, you can obviously go about manual testing, saying this is something I want to test, whether it's an edge case you find interesting, whether it's a performance test you want to run, but you can also automate something. And as we've seen in software engineering, obviously automation is great because it allows you to retest and retest time and time again for every small modification, often in a very quick manner. But we're also seeing that automation testing is not without its price, whether it's about designing the automated tests or it's about running them, spending the compute on them, dealing with a unstableness of some tests. So kind of from your experience, where do automated tests shine in machine learning? So I'll say that initially when we, we in our own projects face these problems of machine learning projects having some unstable behavior or some unknown behavior, and we try to understand how can we catch it as early as possible, and we wanted to see how can we do it. And when you ask peers or search the internet or check existing stuff, basically you understand that there isn't yet something that like is in place that, okay, this is how you do it. You have a unit test for this part. So I'd say it's maybe a few steps. I mean, I'll be happy to say how we do automated testing, but I think that conceptually, this is something that isn't yet in place. And I would say that's also one of the reasons that I think solutions like that are, or from our experience, like with our package are being quite keenly adopted because people are kind of craving for it. Because currently what happens usually is you have something and it's kind of ready to go to production. You would probably have to have the most senior member of the team go over it manually and check everything and verify that no edge cases were were missed and stuff like that. So I'd say it's 
we're on the verge of transferring to automated testing. What we saw is relevant. I think some of the things that really have to do with the methodology of machine learning, the fact that we have training data and test data, or the fact that we have data over time, and the fact that we have like various ways of how it's built, enables us to actually look at it kind of as a generic approach of, okay, let's check stuff about the data integrity, let's check stuff about data distributions, about the model performance. And these are things that are really relevant for basically any model. Of course, what exactly is a problem or not, that's something that you have to like make sure in your specific domain. But what we really like in machine learning and automatically testing machine learning is that the ideas are the same and then you only have to do the customizations and adaptations for your use case, enabling you to work in a more methodological manner and adapt a framework that will really um, help you be able to comprehensively check stuff with less rewriting the code or with less uh, manual inspection every time. So today you mentioned this most senior member of the team would probably go ahead and do a bunch of manual tests, kind of what would they be focusing on? What would be important to test? How do they go about testing it? So by the way, I'm not sure it's a bunch of manual tests, but it's rather to go over along with uh, the researcher or data scientist that developed the model and make sure what did they test for or not. So I think it, it really splits into various areas. Probably the most uh, straightforward is test evaluating and the performance of the model. Well, it's very typical to do that at a like high level of, okay, let's look at the overall performance. But what about things like how do I perform on a specific demographic? Or is there a difference in performance of the model between various demographics? For obvious reasons, some use cases, for example, insurance-related cases that sometimes have to have the same performance or the same kind of uh, estimations for different genders and things like that. So that's like, I would say one area is everything that has to do with performance evaluation. Other areas, which I think every data scientist at some point in the career makes a very embarrassing mistake of not noticing something in the data. For example, like you have a specific uh, leakage in the way you collected the data. So you didn't know, but you have much more car accidents from Europe while the data that you collected from the US is with like much less accident. This is something that has to do with the collection, not even with your model. But this is something that you have to kind of manually inspect. Does my data represent the world of my problem? Obviously, as you get more experience, there are more and more pitfalls which you want to look at, like have an overview of your, of your data and make sure that it works as you expected or as you understood that it does work. So, so I'd say that the senior, in this case, like the someone experienced will go and kind of walk and check what are the things that were tested or not, and do they represent what we expected to. Now, let's assume I have this model and I've been working on it for, I don't know, a few months now. And I've released a few versions, so I have a great checklist of everything that needs to be tested whenever I release a new version of the model. And now I want to go about automating that. What should I do? I'll take one step back and say that you don't or you shouldn't wait till you get to that phase. The way we look at testing and machine learning is, for example, things that have to do with data integrity. This is something that can arrive at, at any phase. It can arrive in your initial data set and it can arrive when you have now you retrained your model and you have new data coming in and suddenly some data source changed because uh, whoever you bought data from didn't tell you that they changed something. So. I think you have to do two steps. One is to well have a checklist and check different things that have to do. We can we can go into specific examples, but again, it's in the data integrity and in the methodology and in your in evaluating your model. And what you can or should check for really varies in which step you are in the phase. So some things are very relevant in the research phase because, for example, the example I gave with data being collected in an unrepresentative manner, this is something you want to check. You want to verify much earlier. Potentially, as soon as you start collecting the data, as you're collecting the data, you want to check that every new data source you're bringing into your research is 
aligned with what you want to train the model to do. Exactly. And same for also for examples of data that is maybe stale and has like things that don't represent what for various reasons, just like uh, mistakes in data. So essentially what you want is a very elaborate checklist and then try to understand which of these checks, which can usually be really kind of run in the same manner. So you don't have to rerun them every time. You, you can have uh, some library framework in which you implement relevant checks. And then in the relevant phase, which I would, I would split it into a few phases. One is the like during research or both when you get the data and also when you finish the research, when you retrain the model, which is something we do usually once a day, once a few weeks, depends on the use case. And in a continuous manner, but that would already be called uh, monitoring when it's in production. So I'd say it's both in the research, in the deployment, and in production. And you've recently released an open source project focusing on exactly that, automating some of the most common tests engineers and researchers should run on their data and models, right? Right. So while working with customers and seeing many machine learning models in production and analyzing the problems that they face, we understood that many of these problems could have already been identified much earlier, whether it's in the research phase or right before they they were actually deployed. And when we were thinking, how can this be, or why do these types of things happen? And how can we help in general, like wider adoption of machine learning and what are the missing tools? And talking with, with many more people and asking them about how do they test their models and what is the process in their teams and do they do a peer evaluation and how does it look? We understood that it's something that's very much in awareness on one hand, but on the other hand, there isn't kind of yet a solution. And one of the things that we thought can really help advance the field and also basically every data scientist, whether they're still in their academic research phase or even just entering the field, and also when they're actively deploying uh, models to production on a daily basis, it's really relevant to have a way to easily and comprehensively check the things that you know might go wrong and no reason to wait. And that was our motivation for reaching this area of offline evaluation, I'd say. And the open source project is called? Deep Checks. Deep Checks. So how would you go about using that if you were doing a research or if you're releasing a new model? How would you go about employing Deep Checks to improve the quality of the model? So... If you want to run deep checks, well, it's a Python package. So what you need is to import it and then to give it your data or your data and your model depends on the on the phase you are. So if, you ha- if you're just starting, you have only your data. If you already have an initial version of your model, so you can give it also that. And then it runs a very long list of checks, both on your data and on your model and, the, and on your performance. And of course, you can also add various custom checks or uh, give it your own metrics and things like that. The idea of having really uh, something that you can kind of... Uh, Extend. Both extend and also that you don't have to every time put the effort of thinking again, like what is relevant for your domain and what is relevant in general. We do find that we have some sometimes interesting kind of uh, conclusions or surprises. So one cute example that we had is that we had someone trying the package on something that they knew they had some problem with, but they weren't sure like whether it will give interesting insights and will it catch it. And a simple test that many times people don't necessarily do is checking your model compared to a various types of baselines. So for example, a simple heuristic model, or what if I just choose like, what if I just guess the most popular answer or various types of baselines. And this may be a very interesting indication of something going wrong that I'm not necessarily aware of, because if I see that my performance goes down from a 0.9 accuracy to 0.85, okay, I mean, those things can happen. But what if a like very naive model outperforms me? So this is a very good indication. So many times just having a very wide range of tests and checks can help spotlight different types of uh, surprises that you understand shouldn't be there. 
How has the reception of the open source project been so far? So it was an interesting process because initially when we released it, we felt that there's um, lots of traction of people seeing the repo and recommending to other people. And it was cool to see that, I guess, people, I mean, mainly people in the, in the space. So we really didn't know what to expect when we released the, the package initially. We did have like our internal criteria was to reach a phase where it will, when we asked like a beta testers, would you recommend this to a friend or would you use this yourself? Their answer was yes, or usually yes. So that was the criteria, but still we didn't know like how will it look. We basically kind of uh, open sourced it and then uh, had a post about it and waited to see what will happen. And it was a really interesting process because what we felt is that initially, I guess, seeing the topic and uh, the fact that really it's, as I said, it's quite high in awareness. We saw that it received lots of uh, attention, but mainly kind of attention of, oh, this is cool. Let's check it out and uh, stars and tra- and traffic and, and things like that. And then I would say something like a few weeks later, you suddenly start to see usage patterns and suddenly we have some issues and questions. And, and this is so it was nice to see initially the people adopting or, or liking the concept and then starting to work with it and check it out. And well, we're still in that process, but it's a really nice journey to experience and uh, see how it evolves. Now, if we go back to the software development lifecycle or the machine learning development lifecycle, What happens after we've built out our model, we've tested it, we are happy with the performance, we've gone through all the sanity checks out there. What do we do now and what do we have to worry about in the next step as we're heading into production? I'll split it into two. One thing is when we just initially deployed, we have to make sure, and these are also types of bugs that we've seen uh, with some customers and surprised us, but I guess these kind of things happen, is that the production uh, pipeline actually behaves the same as the training pipeline. You may have things like uh, you just updated some feature engineering and the data, like you train the model on data that was normalized and the feature is between zero and one, but in the production, it's still like uh, between zero and a hundred. Again, by the way, the fail silently, these are the types of things that can happen there if you don't check your distributions and monitor it continuously. So I'd say that first thing is to make sure that kind of the initial phase of the model model in production and life really looks and behaves as it should and as it wasn't in training. And I'd say the second area is the fact that data is very dynamic and the world changes and suddenly shoppers behavior is uh, different because of COVID or there was a specific event, but your data, for example, Christmas and, and your data wasn't trained. I mean, these obviously are the things that you have to be aware of, but sometimes maybe there was a specific promotion that you didn't know of and suddenly it doesn't represent and you're mispricing um, all of your, your offerings. So I would say the second part is continuously making sure that the data and the models still represent the reality as you think they should. And for that, there are various areas like retraining. And when I retrain, how do I check that the retrained model behaves as I expect it to? Or in general, how do I verify continuously that the data and model are, are still relevant? Do you have any tips or recommendations about that? So the way I see it in machine learning is that the challenges are kind of the same throughout the process and life cycle, but the emphasis is a bit different. So while in the research, we want to understand or analyze the weak spots of our model and how can we improve them, or do we have any problems with the labeling or do we have things like that? So in the production, I'd say that the, the focus should be, again, in continuously monitoring and checking, but the focus is a bit more on... Uh, A few specific areas, which is data distributions, performance evaluation, if I can, if not, and things like, is the model, um, like the distribution of the predictions of the model, and is it rapidly changing? 
always stuff like uh, data integrity, which is relevant because things continuously change. But I think I do think it's the same mindset, but the focus is, is just a bit different when you're in monitoring. And also the challenges are different because now I have to do it continuously and over time. And, and I have to take note, when do I retrain and how do I check it? I'd say that's the way to look at it and really have a comprehensive checklist and go through it. Now, I think you have some offering around that at DeepChecks. Right. So we do look at making machine learning models work as expected over time as a wider kind of notion from research to production. And in the area of monitoring during production, that's the area of our enterprise offering. And it quite naturally um, also relates to validating because the same things that I want to check before I deploy it, usually I'll, some of them still want to check over time. Yeah, that's our, let's say, paid uh, product. Interesting stuff. Before we wrap this up, there is one question I ask all of my guests, and I would love to hear your input on. You want to share with me some interesting bugs you've had? I had a project which had uh, something like 50 features, and after some complex feature engineering, I managed to take it down to only two features, which had many, many advantages and make it, made it much more lean. And just before deploying the final project, I kind of rechecked the model performance, and suddenly I see it's random. And it took me something like a day to debug what happened there. And what I understood is that while I was trying to optimize the way the model was trained, one of the things was that I changed it to a NumPy framework, just a different framework that I was working uh, with before, in which the model, the order of the samples didn't stay the same. So eventually what happened was I had lots of complex and a really good, uh, sophisticated that feature engineering that worked well. And after that, the model was trained on random labels because the samples were just mixed between themselves. So luckily, I did check it again just before production and, uh, and obviously sorted the labels uh, and the samples before production. And another bug, which is, um, I'm not sure if it's a classical bug in the areas of data integrity, but it certainly was a weird or surprising one, is that after working a few weeks on a project, and we were also kind of stuck at a specific like accuracy level and trying to understand how can, you, how can we improve it, so rechecking the data and uh, joining it with additional data sources, I suddenly saw that some samples have different labels, like people were both uh, doing a certain action and not doing a certain action, which didn't make sense. And trying to understand what happened there, I understood that something like 30% of the data samples were of dead people. Mm-hmm. So I see dead people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That did uh, improve a lot, the, the, the model eventually, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a nice one. Awesome. Thanks you. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for having me. So that's a wrap on another episode of the Production First Mindset. Please remember to like, subscribe, and share this podcast. Let us know what you think of the show and reach out to me on LinkedIn or Twitter at Production First. Thanks again for joining us.